You're listening to the Deeply Graphic Design Cast, the show about all things design, from the creative side to the business side and all points in between. Follow the show on Twitter at Wes McDowell. Want the gang to answer your question on an upcoming episode? Send in your listener question to questions at thedeependdesign.com or via Twitter using hashtag DGDC. Here are your hosts. Wes McDowell in Chicago. Mikhail Morrison in Seattle. Nick Longo in Los Angeles. All right, back together again. And uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Doesn't it give you appreciation for all the, the shows and retail venues and companies that have to do this several months prior? Like it's some, kind it, of a like during summertime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't reveal behind the curtain, Mikkel. What Mikkel yeah. is saying is this, <laughs> we're coming to you from the past. We're coming to you from... From uh, a whole 2019, year yeah. A whole year ago. <laughs> but when you're listening, it's 2020, so hope you guys had a lot of great New Year's yeah, Eve. I know safe. I got drunk, but... <laughs> you better have less. Oh, yeah. I can I can tell you right now. It was, it it was a barn burner for sure. It happened. <laughs> oh, oh thing, 2020 is kind of a big Things went down. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, what'd you well, guys get up to well. on New Year's Eve? Do you think? <laughs> if you had to guess, <laughs> we don't. You, oh, don't! No one even wants to talk about it. I want to make. I want to make fondue. Okay, <laughs> set your New Year's resolution. Then you shall do it. No, I just haven't made it for a long time. I want to do it again. Oh my well, gosh! Well, you know, Mikkel, the most one of the most romantic restaurants in the country is right here in Chicago, and it is a fondue joint. What is it called? I don't. It's the fondue a, joint. It's something like it's, yeah, the fondue joint. It's called like Gen, Gendy's Cafe or something like that. It's really? like, okay. oh, sweet. yeah. Is it amazing? Have you been? David and I went there, my boyfriend, a uh, few months back, and it was, it was very interesting. Like it was, it was all it's oh. very like curtainy and like you oh, know all these like draperies and stuff everywhere. A lot of stuff that could catch on fire. Yeah, with fondue exactly. right there. <laughs> Good for f- open flame, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do they do all the sweet stuff too, like the chocolate, like the dessert stuff? Do they ever? Oh my god, that's you got so your good. marshmallow, you got your bananas, yeah. you got your strawberries, all dippable graham crackers, big, big fountains of fondue, or just like? <laughs> I mean, it's not a, it's not a, it's wedding. not the cheesy ones. Yeah, <laughs> oh, get it, the cheesy ones. Oh. No, it's just that yeah, it's one. cheese for the other for the that stuff, and then it's chocolate for the other stuff. But this oh. is not a fondue podcast. Come on, Mikel, <laughs> why be. are you dragging us down this road? <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah, know so, have, I know what I'm having for lunch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's fondue. Someone's got a hankering. All right, cool. So today's episode is going to be another one from Adobe Max, another interview, and if you. Or that reviewer who just left us a bad comment on iTunes who says he loves Nick and no one else. This is the episode for you. Oh, jeez. Because Mikkel and Did I are really nowhere happen? to be found in this interview. <laughs> well, we, yeah, we were, we were spread thin that day because we, we had back-to-back interviews. And uh, one of the things that Adobe set up with us was a great interview with a gentleman named Eddie Harbour. And Eddie was formerly with Nike for almost... 12 years, I believe he was. And now he's set up his own shop, but he is continually working with Nike as a designer uh, with the shop that he has started in Portland. 
um, and he's originally from um, from Europe in England. And I, I what a great what a great conversation. It was a unique kind of opportunity to hear someone who had two different areas of creative that they wanted to get into. And when he found he brought both industrial design and product design into fashion design, he found mm. this niche of his own that is really an incredible story to hear. And one thing I wanted to make sure we brought out in the conversation was uh, what value even someone in a totally different arena than maybe us or most of our listeners are, is how they were able to kind of make a, uh, their own path in creative by blending two things that maybe don't work, work together. And he found ways to do it and successfully did it and has built a really great career on it. And even asked him about process and other things that we all have to go through. It, how different is it for someone like him? So it turned out to be a really, really cool conversation for sure to share. Nice. Well, I can't wait to yeah. hear that. But before we get to it, we got to talk up some Skillshare, baby. Make 2020 a year where you explore those new skills, deepen your existing passions, and just get lost in creativity with Skillshare's online classes. What you find just might surprise and inspire you. So if you don't already know, Skillshare is an online learning community where millions come together to take that next step in their creative journey with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people, you know, on topics including illustration, design, photography, freelancing, and everything else. So, and Skillshare offers classes, this is my favorite part, that are designed for real life so that you can move your creative journey forward without putting your life on hold. You know, in other words, you can learn and grow with short bite-sized classes that fit your busy schedule and your work routine. So, and you know, you're listening to this podcast right now. So that tells me that you're really interested in furthering your skill sets and Skillshare is the next logical step. We can only teach you so much in an auditory form on this show. Skillshare is that extra piece where they can walk you through everything visually. And I can tell you, I learn a lot of what I do whenever I need to learn something new. I go to Skillshare to find out. And Skillshare is a proud sponsor of the Deeply Graphic Design Cast. So go support them, guys, and do something good for yourself. So explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash deepend and get two months free of premium membership. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. So get started and join today by heading to Skillshare.com slash deepend. That's Skillshare.com slash deepend. All right. So Nick, why don't you go ahead and introduce this uh, this interview? Yeah. So again, it's his name's Eddie Harbour. He was formerly with Nike for many years as a design uh, lead, and he blends form, function, material, uh, you name it, into performance uh, apparel for Nike and other sports gear companies. And now he's getting into 3D modeling and all this really cool stuff to fuse into not only fashion, but in jewelry design as well. So it's like this really wow. eye-opening kind of idea of where you can go as a creative and a designer. A lot of times yeah. it's not a path that's already forged in front of you. It's something you Define, just got to, yeah. you got to kind of put together. And when yeah. I asked him that exactly, like, what's the one thing you want to be remembered for? It was specifically that it's this idea of like, if you love architecture and, and, and illustration, is there a future combining those two? How do you do it? It's po it's probably possible, especially if no one's ever done it before. It's a little pioneering, but um, hopefully it'll inspire people to kind of think about how to make their own kind of path in their career down the road. All right. Well, I can't wait to listen. Let's check it out. All right. I'm Nick Longo from the Deeply Graphic Design Cast. We are here with Eddie Harbour. Eddie? Hi. Thanks so much for being here, man. You're welcome. I'm happy your, to be here. Your first Adobe Max, correct? Absolutely. My first one, yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. Do, what, what are your thoughts so far at 
it was funny because I was it was I'm used to going to trade shows that are um, they have products, they have stuff. You yeah. Know? So the one I go to the most is outdoor retailer. Yeah. And it's just full of garments and shoes and and just materials and textiles and there's break off rooms for for products and um. But here it's it's different because it's it's about Adobe and it's about what brand design, graphic design, 2D design largely. So it's all about um, the tools that, are, that are, uh, graphic designers use, it seems yes. to me, so rather than actual physical products. Yeah, and it's almost like the, what I find, this is my fourth one, yeah. and it's it's so nice to know wherever you work, because now it could be anywhere, anytime, any place. Yeah. As a creative, uh, you can be at a place like this and be among everyone you meet. You can find the similarities of of what we do. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. really great. Did you get a chance to like meet and greet p- with people, particularly that came to your talk or just random people as you uh, walk around? Yeah, it's been interesting. It's, it's, I think, so we've been over on the Digimark stand mm-hmm. and I have, we have two dresses there that have been, um, being connected through the D- D- Digimark technology, yes. which is amazing, sort of embedded barcode technology. It's an invisible black uh, fabric, and if you use the app and scan it, it'll take you to whatever you need it to. Um, and it's uh, it's so I've been over there on the on the stand, and it's it's fascinating. Yes, people people are drawn to the to the dresses, and they want to know why they yeah. are on this Digimark stand and yeah. what the story is. And so yeah, it's been really good. Kind of neat too, because it's kind of a you're throwing a little bit of a curveball there. Like I think what really attracts people here, especially in the community pavilion, something that maybe doesn't look like it belongs and then you yeah but like part of the whole reason we're talking is this idea of that what you do is so different from maybe what a lot of our listeners or a lot of people here don't do in apparel and other things like that yeah but it's so intriguing to hear stories from people yeah, that yeah. are doing something a little bit different but that like the stuff we're going to share and talk about today are what we what we do the same what yeah. we share right you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so give everybody just a brief kind of idea of you know your your journey through your career and as a creative so I, start, I started out in the UK, um, and uh, my dad was an architect, and my mother was a, a fashion designer nice. um, uh, and jewelry designer. Um, and so I think it was kind of predestined that something was going to do something along the lines of what I'm doing. <laughs> Unlike most yeah. people here, like when you yeah. say you're going to be an artist, they're like, no. Yeah, yeah, Your yeah. parents are probably like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing it from day one. And they both worked from home my entire yeah. like, life. So my wow. dad had his studio either in the shed or in the, on the, in the house, whatever. Okay. So yeah, so it was always always there. So I went to art school. Um, and we, in the UK, we have this thing called foundation year, which is a year in between high school and your degree uh, where you go to art school and you do everything. Wow. At the end of that year, the last term or last semester, they help you put your portfolio together to get you into a degree course. And that year for me was kind of difficult because I wanted to do everything. I was was doing ceramics and sculpture and fine art and graphics and fashion and product design. And the two I kind of zeroed in on were fashion design and product design. I just couldn't decide what to do. Um, and eventually I opted for fashion design. Um, so I went and did a degree uh, in fashion in London. And uh, that was a four-year degree. And it was great. I loved it. It was brilliant. It was it was an amazing time. Um, really enjoyed the work. Did well in the, the design side of it. Um, but then was left wanting industrial design. I was sort of yeah. I didn't know if I'd missed something and if I'd missed the boat kind of thing. And I remember there was this moment I was I was working in the evenings in a restaurant in London. And I was at the bus stop waiting to go back to my flat in Finsbury Park. 
Um, and uh, I was sat there at the bus stop and I had this sort of moment. I was like, I was kind of talking in my head. I was yeah. like, hopefully not out loud. In my head, I was like, so what is it that you want to do? What do you want to do? Like, why aren't you happy? And I realized that it was industrial design that was the thing that I wanted to do. Great. Um, so I went, from that day, I decided, I'd started working on um, things that I thought would get me into an industrial design master's program. Um, and I did that for maybe a year. And I was doing designs and working on, on stuff. And I eventually I got a place to do a master's in industrial design, which is great, in Leicester, and did that. Um, and during that program, my professor said to me, "Don't." F we were picking in the, with the master's program. You have to pick a final project, your major project, kind okay. of thing. Um, and they were, I was saying, I want to do a car or whatever. Or we're actually sitting at, sat in an Airstream trailer. I was yeah. going to do something like this. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of the kind of thing I can do. Um, and he said, don't forget what you've learned. You've just spent four years studying fashion. You know how about garments. You have to make garments. Try and find a combination of garment design and industrial design and do that as your wow. major project. So I was like, right, that makes sense. Great So advice. I thought about it. I know. That was yeah. kind of that, that one sentence from him kind of like just tipped everything in the right direction. Yeah. Me, which is really good. Um, so I thought, okay, what's that? And it's, is it wetsuits? Is it, what, what is it? You know, and I picked a, a motorcycle suit. So it was all right. I'm, I'm going to do a motorcycle suit and it fit the criteria for industrial design because it was about impact protection and problem solving and materials. And if, and it was a garment. So that was wow. what I focused in on for that, which is great. Yeah. And it's this perfect hybrid, right? It's perfect hybrid. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so did that and I found a local British company um, called Frank Thomas who made my prototype for me and I was making the, the suit had molded parts in it um, and it had leather and um, so I was working in the footwear department at my university I was working in the workshop doing the, the tools to do the molding um, I was working with the apparel team doing the garment um, so that was the perfect solution to that Great. and then, then that went to uh, my first project out of college was with Dane Easy who made motorcycle leathers in Italy I sent them my degree project and they were like yeah come, come perfect um, they didn't pay for my flight so <laughs> of course not, I, had right? to, I had to get my own flight together and they <laughs> we was, like you yeah but, but not that much <laughs> <laughs> we, we might like you um, and I remember getting there and I had no means of transport I was like I think I landed in Venice and I had to get the bus to like somewhere else. <laughs> but I got there and I met Signor Danisi who was amazing and I still talk and, and have continued to work with them on and off since then you know Great. So that was my first project um, and then that led to a project a, com a job a full-time job with the Ministry of Defense in England, designing future soldier clothing systems, Wow! Um, which was pretty cool. At the time, the project was called Crusader 21, um, and I was working on that. And it was about integrating backpacks and wearable computers into infantry uniforms. Interesting, okay. So that was going very industrial design kind of yeah. side of it. Um, and so that was great. And one part of that two-year job that I had with the Ministry of Defense sent me to the U.S. And I did a, a placement at Natick in Boston um, on a project called Land Warrior, and which was, again, integrating technology into clothing. And from there, by chance, I was asked to speak at Cornell University on a degree program that was called Functional Apparel. So I, I gave, drove to Ithaca, took me like forever, <laughs> audiobooks the whole way, um, and got there, did the talk, which is brilliant. And then they told me about the professor there, Susan Watkins, told me about my uh, uh, potential, my, what would become my job for the next 18 years, which was a position that had opened at Nike, a department that had opened at Nike. So look at advanced clothing, performance wow. clothing. Wow. Okay, great. So I rang them, long story short. 12 interviews later. I had, I had six interviews in one chunk. 
Then I went back to England. Then they flew me back out for another chunk of six interviews um, and I, with jet lag. You know, Gosh, just like of course. Unbelievable, yeah. Maybe that was a test. <laughs> I think it, it was some kind of – it was a test. It was challenging for sure. And in those days, we had um, – the uh, the slides, uh, what were they called? The transparency little oh, yes. millimeter yes. slide things with the rotating with the carousel? shutter thing. Yeah, perfect. So there I am <laughs> carrying that thing around. Did did those interviews and repeating myself for an uh, six times for an hour each interview. So got the job, moved to Nike, and uh, worked with Nike in that team. And did um, basically my career was has been performance clothing, Great. Uh, aerodynamics clothing, cooling vests, uh, compression tights, uh, integrating technology into clothing with Nike. Um, probably most famously, my first project at Nike was uh, Kathy Freeman's sprint suit at the yes. Sydney Olympics, Wow! Um, which is my uh, two years into working for Nike, which was a great moment. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it was incredible. But it's so neat to hear like people having journeys that are might so different from your your own or others. Yes. Because it's so neat to hear that that's and I love industrial design too. And like you said earlier, like my dad was an architect as well. Yeah. So like you you see that there's all these careers that you can get into as a young creative. Mm. You know, there's so many of them here too. Mm. And what we try to do is like give them those little nuggets of information to kind of help based on the knowledge of you know what you've experienced i'm curious about like your typical process of starting a project something new that comes on your table yeah what are your first few steps that you do kind of get yourself you know infused into the project so um it's different every time yeah it's it's because it's um each project is completely different and i with so, and again, I, I could split my what I've done into two different camps now. So, sure. I've got the Nike stuff, which has been about performance products, performance clothing, and everything I've described up to that point has been that. And then, since Nike, I've been doing fashion design, so that's yeah. a completely different sort of process. Um, but with the but I'm still consulting doing the performance clothing too. I've just done some exciting new projects uh, in that area too. And really, the what you need is knowledge before you can design. So you can't just start designing. Like people think that, that you get a designer yeah. and he's talented. Give him, just give him a pen and a paper and a, and a brief or, uh, and then exactly. he'll start creating yeah. stuff. Yeah. But you can't because you need to feed in information. So yes. for me, it's about what information do, already, do we have? And if we have everything we need, then we can start designing right now and you'll Great. get a sample in a month kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Or if, but if you don't, we need to go back and start at square one kind of thing. So with um, using examples, so with um, the Kathy Freeman Nike sprint suit, we had zero information. So wow. we, we went, we started right at the, the beginning, which was what potential subjects could Inf- and I'm going kind of into the project away from the yeah, brief a bit. That's but fine. In fact, that's, the our br- next, that's the next question. So you're already <laughs> brief, making the perfect uh, segue. The brief, so yeah, keep going. The brief was simple with yeah. that, and it was make someone run faster, enable someone to run faster. Yeah. Oh, so gotcha. that was that was what it was. And so what we did was we we listed topics that we thought could influence the speed of an athlete, um, wow. and when they were everything from temperature to diet to environment to, to uh, looking at other industries, um, and the one that had the most effect that we found was aerodynamics. So mm-hmm. when then we started to research that, and we we I was reading literature papers on. Uh, I was working uh, with my uh, partner on the project, Rick McDonald, and we were re- reading literature papers on aerodynamics in sport. And two names kept coming up: uh, Len Brownlee and Chet Kyle. And we got them into because if you're at Nike, you can just invite. Yes, them and they just come along. So <laughs> we started working with them. And we who does not answer that? Call? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and they, I'm still working with Len now. Um, and so. That was that was about uh, finding subjects that can uh, 
meet the brief, basically. Yeah. So it's about information. An example where we didn't need to do as much research was the next two years later, we did uh, speed skating suits, but we used the same research that we done for the previous project. Great. So, yeah. so do you find that you have to, you know, when it's not there, you have to kind of fill in the blanks of that brief? Yeah. You know, because I think you nailed it by just saying there's got to be knowledge first. Yeah, yeah. And a big thing like we're all pushing now is this idea of, you know, doing your discovery as the designer or as the creative mm. to make sure you're you're getting as close to the client or whoever's yeah. paying you yeah, yeah, to yeah. their expectations, right? 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a couple of points in there. I mean, doing your own research is kind mm-hmm. of one of the things I heard. And like, I... I, it's not the thing I love doing the most, but it's actually I know. really good to do it yourself if you can make yourself do it. Um, I work with an amazing researcher called Tina Grace in the UK, and she does research. Mm-hmm. She used to be a designer, and she got more and more into the research um, and does does the research now. And it's amazing working with her. But if I'm doing it, mm-hmm. um, it I kind of get maybe things out of it that if I'm exactly. reading someone else's research. So it's about time and resources and stuff. So it's... It's uh, researching on your own is good if you can do it. Are you um, a big believer in like just getting as much knowledge behind maybe is that something that's out of your wheelhouse to make sure you are more of an expert in it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the more you know, the better. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I also think there's value in knowing nothing as well. Like if, you, if you're not an expert sometimes. Right. Yeah. And that's – everyone says that because, you know, it's great because you have fresh eyes and all this sort of thing. You need a certain amount of knowledge before you can start questioning yeah. things, you know. Um, well, you've done like a crash course in it. So you might be a, so, a kind of sort of expert in it. Yeah. But you're right. You still haven't really been a part of it enough. So you, yeah, have, yeah. That, you have that kind of – uh, wonderment of the of the idea yeah. to maybe come up with that idea that the client couldn't on their own. Right, exactly. You know? The and it's um so an example of that, the aerodynamics on mm-hmm. the uh the the speed stuff we did at Nike was um was working we were working with uh the bet the experts like mm-hmm. these two guys I just mentioned. Um and texture and surface roughness is important for aerodynamics. Um and we got into the project and we were working together and the kind of aha moment for that was the the non aerodynamicists mm-hmm. so us saying, well, can you put different textures on different parts of the body because they're moving at different speeds? Yes, so it's speed equals texture. So tennis ball versus golf ball. And then we introduced that idea to the experts, and I think initially they're a bit skeptical, but then as the project progressed, it's now become the standard. Sure. Um, so in that way. Uh, fresh eyes helped but it's all about that collaboration I mean we wouldn't have known anything about textures and, and aerodynamics if it hadn't been for them and we wouldn't know how to test it um, so it's about f- bringing the team together and having different opinions and different views but shared knowledge great great mm. how about your design principles or pillars that you kind of like have learned throughout the years to kind of instill into any, any new job yeah. are there things that you kind of follow that you find I know you got to be flexible particularly with new things that are maybe yeah. totally different from the last project. Yeah. But how do you, how do you, t- how do you put your signature on things? You know, what, what, what are those things that someone would look at and be like, that's Eddie. So for, for me, it tracks back to my, my inability to choose a degree subject, which was like <laughs> fashion design or industrial design. Okay. That's become my stamp on everything. Um, and by that, I don't mean indecision. I mean the ability to cross over Good. <clears throat> between subjects, which is what my, my cornerstone is, my pillar is. I look at different areas, different things, different materials, different methods of make, different methodologies, and I cross-pollinate. 
is kind of like that. Yeah. There's not a very elegant description, but that's what I do. I, I, I integrate things. Um, and that gives me a new perspective, a new view. And everything I've ever done in design has been about mixing elements of design or, or in different industries together. Great. So like the dress that I've got uh, with me on this uh, today, this exhibition was made. I, I designed it using an animation software. Which was called Blender, which is called Blender, um, which is uh, an open source software. So it's 3D software, which apparel designers generally don't use. Um, and so it's about, and then the, the method of make, the tool I use to make the dress is actually used for making molded plywood in the furniture industry. So it's about making things and thinking about things by crossing over between industries. Sure. So like, uh, or, and tools too, and tool. right? Like, yeah, yeah, it, it's tools. almost like those weren't the, uh, the the go to tools yeah. for maybe that thing, but you found a way sure. to do it for yeah. your particular yeah. creative brief. Yeah. And I would love to be able to say, okay, uh, make a dress in a bicycle factory. So or there or, you go, or make <laughs> make a, a dress in a company that makes sales for yachts or something like that, and do a collaborate Perfect. with with a set. Maybe not the bicycle factory, but well, I don't know. There's cool hey, leather seats. You, you never, never know. know. You never know. But using their tool, their expertise. Um, so say the tent manufacturers say, okay, we want to work with you to make a collection of clothing or one dress, and you have to use our equipment and our expertise and our sewing machine. To me, that's like a dream project because you yeah. get something completely different. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's about crossing over, you know. To a designer that might want to try that at either their work or uh, with a client if they're a freelancer, mm. what's an advantage to this idea of like uh, fused almost um, medium – uh, technique tool. What have you seen that is like? Have people just reacted to it positively because it's so unique as a combination? Yeah, I think inevitably it's yeah. it's going to be. Obviously, it's it doesn't always work. You know, it's a trial and trial and error. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, if it's if it's new, um, people people are attracted to novelty. Like they they love like trade shows like this. If, yeah. when you when you're, you're looking around. We literally all we do, all we're doing, is looking for something we haven't seen before. That's exactly, that's exactly what we with do. a little risk in it. Like it, yeah, you know, yeah. it's almost like it's it's good to have that kind of like, yeah. ooh, I don't know. Like, we're, we're, <laughs> we're like these these uh, whatever like uh, people wandering around looking for novelty. Mm -hmm. And if it's something that uh, you've never seen before, you just you just can't help but be drawn to it, you know. And so if you so I've been making handbags, three D printing handbags, um, and. If you've never seen a 3D printed handbag before, you're going to walk up to it and you're going to touch it and you're going to want to know more about it, you know. Wow. Um, so that's – and I've, I'm making – It's the intrigue around that, something like that. It's novelty, yeah. yeah. We just well, – we're like, oh, what's that? You know, yeah. so we want to see it. We want to, to engage with it. Um, and I literally today just sold my first uh, 3D printed piece of jewelry in Japan. So wow. today is the, the, the first – Congratulations. Thank you very that's much. fantastic. Yeah, Probably the great. first of many, it sounds like. Hopefully. hopefully that's yeah. great. But that's, I mean, that's an amazing thing because of the tool I'm using to design that the jewelry is an animation software for the movie industry. It's so great. So it's yeah. just completely, I don't know if anyone's used it to make jewelry before. But they pro I'm sure they have. But uh, it's it's about crossing over Good. and finding other, other cool. connections. This kind of leads us to something we had talked about in our uh, talk prior to the discussion today when we were kind of meeting and greeting. Mm. We talked about this idea of the timeless design versus trendy design. Mm. And particularly with social media being most people's way of mm -hmm. getting inspiration now before mm. starting a job. And we tend to look and see the things that have risen to the top, the things that are 
maybe in the trend zone. Yeah. But like you said, you have this, there's this intrigue with things you haven't seen before. Mm. So how do you make sure when you're doing things, your influence stays strong and, and authentic mm. and the inspiration of maybe a trend doesn't find its way in? That's, that's difficult. And it, uh, I think, so I've got these two hats. One is the industrial designer, mm -hmm. one is the fashion designer. I think with industrial design, it's easier because yeah. you're, you're problem solving and you're staying true in, with industrial design. If it looks like the job it's doing, then that's, it, in my opinion, good design. So yeah. it's, it's uh, the form follows the function. So that's kind of, in a way, easy. it's not easy at all, but in a way, that's, that's yeah. one way of looking at it. But with fashion design, I actually struggled with that question when I first left Nike. I was oh, like, I can only imagine. Yeah. That's I was like, what am I going to do? So I, yeah. I, I, I um, uh, signed up for WGSN, which is a trend forecaster. And I was like, I don't know anything about color. I don't know anything mm -hmm. about stuff. I don't know what's in, what's out, you know. Um, and it bothered me for a long time. And then I, I in fact, one of my mentors, uh, Devin Burt, said, don't worry about it. Just like yeah. do whatever you want to do. And I was like, but what's, I need a, I need a story. I need a seasonal story. I need an inspiration. He said, just, technology is your story just do it you know, just do what you're doing and i think since that conversation i that's basically what i'm doing i'm just designing what i like yeah. in a way that engages my mind and when i see it i like it and it's turning out to be a thing you know i people always say you need a point of view as a designer and i think that comes when you stop worrying about Perfect. what's in and what's not you yeah know? just do what your brain is telling you to do and follow it and it'll take you somewhere will will take you somewhere unique yeah um so that's really the way i deal with not being on trend yeah yeah, yeah yeah are there are there every day or um uh, things uh, sources of inspiration that you look to what where do, where do you find them on even just a given day so sources, that's really, I was thinking about this the other day because I've got a subscription to Vogue and it yeah. arrived in my mailbox. And I was like, oh, Vogue, okay. And I remember being at college, like not really wanting to look mm -hmm. through it. And I was like, all right, I have to look through this. And I still feel the same about it. I'm like, Vogue, all right, whatever. <laughs> I'll flick through it. And I was thinking, so what is it that engages me? What what inspires me when I look at it? And it's... Oh, sorry. Oh, it's, um, it's difficult to say. I, I think... What engages me, mm -hmm. um, what inspires me is method of make. Okay. It's how things are made or the look of things relating to how they're made. And I realized Interesting. a while ago that I'm kind of obsessed with embedding foam behind leather and textile okay. which is kind of weird and but it's like, forming something it's forming right? yeah, yeah that that you know in like the the heel of a of a uh, basketball shoe yes correct that, that squidgy foam mm -hmm. behind leather or this couch was sat on there's something I like about that. I think it goes, but I had a Yamaha DT when I was 16. <laughs> okay. I had this like yeah. a molded plastic uh, seat on it. And there, there's something about that seat that I really liked. Um, and so a lot of the stuff I do has embedded foam inside it behind leather and textile. Um, and I'm, my handbag line, I have um, embedded 3D printed structures behind leather. Wow. Um, which is, again, it's, there's, there's something about seeing something behind leather or yeah. behind a fabric it's stretched over it and that's a weird thing but that's yeah. kind of like whenever i see it i want to touch it or, or it sounds it. like uh almost uh there's a unique kind of uh commonality to just kind of skin skin over form like you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. you have the structure of the skeleton you have yeah. that and the muscle and then the skin over it and this idea that everything's kind of yeah there's something inside it's taut right? and it's like you know when you see like a yes. face pushing through a wall of rubber or Correct. something like that that kind of like there's something about 
And I have a machine that looks does that basically, okay. and it's, it's called a vacuum press, and it's used for I've mentioned it earlier for molding plywood in the, the yes. when you're making a molded plywood chair. Um, and so it sucks. It, you put the object you want to mold in the bed, and it sucks. The, there's a silicon membrane over the top of it. It sucks the air out, and by sucking the air out, it pushes the membrane onto the object and applies pressure. Then you shut the lid, and it gets hot. And it so it's molds, yeah, and it molds yeah. in three D. So that's kind of my my um, how and, I do that stuff. And this, and now is this a current uh, vibe that's going through you now, or is that a consistent one? Is this just the one you're really yeah, into where, right now? Like, where will it? Well, yeah, that, that's a good question. <laughs> I would imagine. I don't know. I don't know. I think that it comes down to texture, and I think texture has always been a part of what. That's the common thread. There. It's yeah. texture. Yeah. And how that texture is created will change. Okay, I'm sure. Um, but at the moment, I'm in very much in a like a stretch things over things Good. mode. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you're is, gonna have to come up with a name yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to that, and another thing that I really like to do is is play with transparencies. Yes, so I have a dress in my line that's um, layers of silk cut, a uh, silk cut, layers of laser cut silk organza. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and you can see through it. And uh, it's it was built in Blender in a 3D program and then flattened out. So it's made of polygons. So you can see through the, the organza at the polygons behind it. And it looks like you're looking straight through the person um, because of the way I've sort of layered up the look, yeah. the, trans, the sheer layers. So again, transparency and layering is another thing that I'm drawn to. Cool. So yeah. it's, it, I love that you're picking almost ways similar to how you fuse two different kinds of creativity together as your main focus of a, who you are as a creative. You're also doing it with technique and form and texture and everything. Yeah. Rather than say, my, my new trend now is this yeah. or yeah, yeah. Uh, pastel or you know something yeah. like that where it's more, it has more meaning, it has more yeah. oomph to it. And I think that's the thing I think a lot of, maybe sometimes creatives are afraid to maybe take the risk and try something different because it's not in the norm and it is a little bit of a risk what how do you yeah. how would you convince a young designer to say you know take the plunge on something every once in a while well i mean it sort of comes down to income like paying the rent yeah. or the mortgage you know so that's kind of like <laughs> truth right i mean if you you can be a fine artist and and a struggling artist and you can do exactly what you want but at the end of the day you're going to have to have an exhibition and sell something exactly. unless you're yeah. wealthy you know yeah so uh, and for a lot, I mean, I work with a lot of photographers, and they always have their personal projects, and then they have their their income projects. Um, and that's if you're working for yourself, that's what you need to do. Yes. So I'm I'm very conscious of doing that. Um, so there's the the and for me, it's becoming the industrial design is how I'm earning the living, and the fashion design is kind of what I'm doing current, currently as a passion. But that enables you to take risks mm -hmm. with the fashion design. Um, so enabling me to take risks with the fashion design, so I can do whatever the hell I want. There you go. Uh, you know, and then that takes you to a place where people will start to engage with it and want to buy it. You know, so and that if if the if the fashion line or the personal projects are non-funded, then you have complete control. Yes. If they're, the moment they become invested in, then you you lose some control and then yeah. they become non-personal projects. They become work. Kind gotcha. Of. So that's how I deal with fear. I think that was the question. Is like so the fear of of taking risks, mm -hmm. but there's also the fear of people not liking what you make. Exactly, you know? and yeah. I I have that fear, mm -hmm. but I know when I see something if it's cool, you know, and I, I know, and I have certain go to friends um, who I'll put something in front of, and I know if they 
their their eyes light up. Yes. Yeah. yeah then, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Then that's that's kind of like your own little test market there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I th- I think that design. So I, I think design on that subject is a lot like being a chef. Mm-hmm. And I think if you cook a meal, what you want is people to eat it, and you want to see them eat it, and you want feedback. You want them their lace their faces to light up. And I think when you design something, it's like being a chef sharing a meal with, oh, with a group of people you know so we need feedback we need encouragement we're quite sensitive creatures and it's difficult to to deal with rejection you yeah know? it's just not just the ingredients it's the technique and it's the yeah what a chef could bring and i, I always like look, comparing the two because it really does have the same structure of anything you're building to become a final piece yeah yeah that you're saying here i know yeah like, what do you think yeah i know bringing the ingredients together yeah <laughs> i I, the thing that's fascinating me about uh, this 3D printed jewelry mm-hmm. that I'm just doing um, is that, so with a handbag, so I'm jumping back to the handbags, and a, a piece of clothing, you make, you're bringing materials together, and it's about how you bring those materials together mm-hmm. and how you join the seams, how you connect them, how you bond them, how you cut them. It's about the logistics of bringing materials together to make an object. The amazing thing about 3D printing and the jewelry is that I, I upload the file. And it gets printed and it gets sent to me. Yes. And it's polished and it's ready to go. And it's just amazing technology. But it's very limiting, limited, because you can only do it, do certain things. You can't put precious stones in. Well, you, Correct. I can't at this, at this stage. So it's a very small box to design in. But I like that in a way because so I'm like designing within this box. Uh, it's limited, but I can do whatever I want as long as yes. I stay in that box. Yes. Um, They're almost good limitations because yeah. – like, it make it might make you challenge yourself to find okay well if i can't have that mm. how do i add the same impact yeah. with what i can do i know yeah you know and the so the way these these uh pieces of jewelry are being sold in japan is i i upload the file to uh, uh a dropbox yes and then they market them sell them print them in japan distribute them in my packaging take the money and PayPal made me my fee back when it sold. So it's kind of like – it's almost like a, a, a commission or a royalty. It is, yeah. yeah. Which is amazing, you know. I, like one day we'll have the rapid prototyping in our home. I can yeah. only – I can imagine that when you order something, it now gets printed in your house, not shipped. Yeah, yeah. But in a way, I wouldn't you want know? it in my house because yeah. then I'd have to sell it. I want them to do that. So yeah, it's kind yeah. of amazing. Yeah. And they're, they're going to expand into Asia and only – print in the countries they're selling it so it's not crossing any borders anywhere, yeah which is yeah. kind of amazing that's insane yeah. that's pretty I amazing i know the next question kind of we've it, there's no question you are into new things and new mm. techno technology new tools things like that are you always on the lookout for these things are they coming obviously i bet a bunch come to you mm. knowing what you do i'm sure a lot of folks kind of introduce you to that kind of new technology but obviously you're open to that and that's oh, fantastic. Yeah. It's almost your livelihood, it yeah, sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. It's about new tools, new methods of make, new technologies, mm-hmm. new machinery. Um, but I, I like to mix it with classic crafted construction as well. So yes. um, it's about, I end up making, so my fashion line, I've ended up, I, I make the bits uh, with the new tools and then they get sewn together by an expert sewer, which I am not. So gotcha. I'm, I'm okay. constantly making up panels and things um, and then having them sewn together in a, in a, a traditional a sewing house, you know. Got it. So yeah, um, but they are the handbags are the same. They're just about um, making things completely differently, you know. And it's interesting. We're thinking about asking about methods of making new things. One of the things that I've learned in the last couple of, the, of years is that because at Nike, everyone 
did things for you. Mm-hmm. Like it's amazing, amazing location. You've got incredible resources, and you can just have an idea on the back of an envelope and work with amazingly talented technicians who'll bring it to life and 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 they'll they'll help you. But if you're doing it on your own, you kind of realize that. Um, if things are difficult to make, it's 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 either impossible to get them made or it's really expensive. Yeah. So if yeah. you make it yourself, you learn whether it's hard or not to make. And as the designer, you can redesign it to make it easier. So I, with the handbags, I've just been redesigning, redesigning, making it easier and easier so that eventually I can make it because um, my sewing skills aren't up to like amazing sort of like high-end handbag sewing yes. skills. So I've made this handbag that I can actually make. But that means to the factory, it's, e- it's easy for them, which makes it... What it does is it, it not only affects the price, but it affects the quality. Mm-hmm. So if something's hard to make, generally the construction is is not as good as if it's easy to make. Then the sewing, if it's, if it's easy to make, the sewing is just dialed in and it's yeah. perfect, you know. Yeah. yeah. What tips do you have? You made a big leap by going from working full-time, having a long career with Nike, mm. and then saying... I want to do it on my own. I want to start my own thing. Mm. What advice do you have to people on timing, on finance? It could be the smallest details, but how do you give them that kind of like, you know, uh, yeah. it's not the, I, I hate saying I'm giving you the pass to like, yeah, 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 you should totally go. I don't want to be the person. Yeah, yeah. You got to know what to, what those levels are in your own world yeah. to make it safe to do. But what would oh, you say yeah. are those I, things to look for? The, I'm shaking my head because it's really hard. It's like I because I'm in that now. Like I'm right in the thick of that. I'm I'm, and it. I mean, there's the there's the design idealistic kind of point of view, which is do it. Like if you when I was at Nike or just do it. When yeah. I was at Nike, <laughs> no fun. I was like I was I was working on these amazing projects at Nike, but there was this voice in my head saying, yeah. "You need to do fashion. You need to do." dresses you need to make jewelry you need to do handbags like that and it got louder and louder and louder in okay. my head to the point where i couldn't hear anything else wow and I was like, okay so i have to, clearly i've got to do this and it's about timing um and i was i've been 18 years at nike and i was like if i don't do this now i'm never gonna do yes. it yeah. um which is was the other loud voice in my head and i was i was thinking about this the other day i mean i may regret that decision in the next 10 years because i don't know it's about money i don't know what's going to happen financially in the next 10 years but i know at the end of the day at the end of this journey um when i'm lying in my hospice somewhere i won't regret it because yeah, uh-huh. oh my yeah. gosh you nailed it Do you know what i mean like, yeah because then i i won't regret it because i'm like if if i'd stayed at nike for those last 20 years i'd have done uh, great stuff but i the things i've been doing are going to be, I don't know what's coming. I just did a dress for, I think I can say this, for Star Trek. Oh, and I, I would, beautiful. I would never have done that before. See, um, so, yeah. Well, yeah, there's, and that, yeah. so that opportunity sometimes comes when you, your your, your mind shift said, you know, do yeah. this on your own. Now is the time. Yeah, yeah. You do. Do you think that opportunity would have come your way if you were still full time? 100% no. no. Or it, technically, could you even do it? No. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Wouldn't have happened. Never would have happened. Never, never would have done jewelry. Never would have made handbags. Yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. So all of it is great. And, yes. and, and I, I don't know what's coming down the line. I, I hope to work uh, with, <coughs> with other brands. I would hope to work with Nike again, you know. Yeah. Um, so hopefully I can still, I can have everything. Um, but uh, it's, it's just about... <laughs> risk yeah. and whether you're ready to take the risk and it's only a risk if you do it late so if you start early on if i'd started doing what i'm doing now 
at the beginning of my career, there'd be no risk. I'd yeah. have an established company and I'd be fine. I'd, yes. But if you're within, if you're in a company and you've been there for 18 years, you've got you've got expenses. You've you've got a salary that you're used to having. You and know, then it goes up. Then it goes away. away. <laughs> yeah. And then so that's the gamble, you know. Yeah. But that voice in my head just got so loud. I couldn't ignore it. Yeah, I always said it was it was the writing on the wall. Like it was the voices were in my head were me looking around going like uh, the signs were all there. Yeah. Like to say finally do it. Yeah. And you know and it's like yeah, you're right. It's like uh, it, it makes sense to if your timing is right. Yeah. And the finances finances are right. Yeah. It's that it's worth that risk. And I that's yeah, the part yeah. I still love. I still feel like it's it's temporary. Like, do you? Oh, I yeah. feel like I, I will eventually go back to another job. Yeah, and it, that's just the way we're wired. I do as well. My I, father had the yeah. same job from the yeah, yeah. first day out of college to yeah. you know when he retired. Yeah, he was an architect as well. Yeah, you know, and it's like I, I love seeing that, and I'm going okay, but that's how we're programmed. Yeah, and we talk when our listeners a lot call in and be like, "Man, I'm juggling a full time thing. Yeah, and I've started something on the side. Yeah, yeah, and obviously it's like an eighty twenty or maybe yeah, sometimes right. even a ninety ten. Yeah, how yeah. do I even get it to the the 50 50 yeah because they're doing they're trying to do it at the same time because they can't just drop we, we all go, right, right? Yeah. yeah yeah that's you know? i mean that's how i had a studio when i was at nike most nike creatives have a workspace at home that they work and stuff like that and it's like how do you juggle that and yeah. at what point does one tip over the other kind of thing exactly when does it when when does that tipping point happen and it's it's case by case mm -hmm. it really is um i don't have kids i don't have uh, a family to support so i was like worst case scenario i'll yeah. go back to england and sign on you know, there you go like the, yeah 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 <laughs> free healthcare. so, so i don't perfect. know i really don't know yeah. do you are you in do you mentor do you um talk it in, in schools i'm i'm curious to know like what kind of advice you would give to a, a young designer that is entering this field okay um how how disciplined do they have to be in knowing what area they should be in? Should they explore all mm. the different options of, of this? Is it, you know, sure. they're so pressured to know what to be yeah. in that first year of college, yeah, let alone the, the two or three years outside of college. Yeah. I mean, first question is, do I mentor? Yeah. No, but I want to. Yeah. I want to teach more. I find teaching really, really beneficial because it clarifies my process in my head. It's almost a selfish reason. If I have to exactly. sit in front of people, I've done it. I've Practice done it. what you preach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I've, I've done it various times. And after every time I do it, I come back and think, oh, yeah, I'm not doing what I'm telling them to do. You know, so yep. it's a good thing for me. Um, and then what would the uh, what would the, so choosing what you're going to do and yeah yeah it. what's the advice for them like so, you're just graduating you you yeah. you know you've been in you've done branding you've done user uh, user experience a lot of people in industrial design as well yeah yeah they're all in there and you know the job market's not the best right now when you yeah. get out there's no guarantee anymore yeah what are those things that you would say to someone to be like how do they stand out how do they get find found? Yeah, yeah. You know what can they do in their resumes and their portfolios yeah. to to look better to get people's attention. The so what just to sort of uh, tease apart the question a little mm -hmm. bit. So one of the things you said to me is like choosing what you want to do, and there's an example I have of that. So the guy, the most famous footwear designer at Nike, uh, started working in Nike as the architect to design the campus. Um, wow. And then became a footwear designer. That's right. I've so, never seen that in the documentary. Yeah, yeah. So don't worry about the thing you're learning uh, because people, I think it's really beneficial to have to hire people who are doing something different than they originally learned exactly. to do because they have a great perspective on it. So, um, don't worry. if you're doing if you're studying something, don't think you only can do that for the rest of your life kind of thing, you know, um, 
and certainly not that's what I did as well like I I, I did two degrees in the end because I couldn't decide what to do but I think companies want people who change lanes in because they're they're not like all the other graduates yeah of, you know so I don't worry about that study whatever engages you and then from there move to what you want to do or, or during that study do personal projects in another field you know um, yeah don't be afraid to try things because everyone's going to be engaged everyone's going to go with you you know sort of just just explore um and that and then the, the how do you get noticed so i i have found that my instagram has been a massive massive help yeah um, and i didn't use it before to put work on it until i left nike and I, so I've been direct messaging people on Instagram. Um, and I direct messaged this uh, costume designer who does Star Trek. Yeah. Um, Star Trek Discovery. And I just said, love your work. Can we, can we, can I do a project with you? And she replied. And, I, and we Amazing. did it. Yeah. And I went, did the conference call and she said, yeah, we'll have a character 2,000 years in the future. Um, I, I absolutely, God, I probably said too much already. So <laughs> yes, strike that. So that's that's Trekkies all I can are like, say. What? I, Keep yeah, going. Yeah, I know. I can't <laughs> tell you anything about that. Um, I probably get in real trouble. No, I didn't say anything. So yeah, so that wouldn't have happened until uh, and before uh, Instagram. Uh, there's a designer in in London who I engaged that way. Um, the the jewelry in Japan happened. Um, so through Instagram. So Instagram is really really useful. Um, but it was you being a little. Um, a little bit more like uh, one-on-one with them, which I yeah. think is a big difference is there's this putting your stuff out there and populating your feed, yeah. but use it. I think you're right. When people use it as a communication thing, yeah, even yeah. Twitter specifically, I've seen designers have a lot of good success with that because it's, it's kind of like, it's a play. It feels like it's a playground of creatives already. Yeah, yeah. Let's say who you follow and who follows you. So like you getting in there that way was uh, probably quicker and, and more efficient than a full on email. Oh, hundred percent. Right? Yeah, you know, there's something 100%. a little more casual yeah, yeah, yeah. about it. Yet, I've, yeah, I, uh, you yeah, know, it's. In, I mean, I, one of my favorite design. I have various designers that I, that I admire, um, and I've reached out to them um, through uh, Instagram, and they've replied. Yeah, and, and it's incredible. And because they reply, because they just click on your. If they're not too massive, if they if they've got like millions of followers, they probably aren't going to get a reply. But if they've got like three, four, five thousand, ten thousand followers, they might reply. Um, and they reply because they click on your name or someone in their team clicks on your name and they go immediately to your stuff. You know, yeah. they can see it. And if it's if it happens to be something that they're thinking about at the time, then they'll reply, you know, um, which is which has been working for me. Which the is proof is there because it's almost yeah. like a quick like, let's, n- let's see the portfolio. Let's yeah, see yeah, the yeah. work. There's no you know? link needed. There's no, they don't yeah. have, I mean, yeah. they, they don't have to open a, an attachment to an email. Yeah. You know? um, and it's all about visuals. You know? And I think we're all in that like as easy as possible mode sometimes right like less is more with that so we're already on these apps looking if a message comes through yeah there's a better chance sometimes yeah yeah that that might be the way to connect i know yeah and i think so when we spoke before this you were talking about this subject saying Mm -hmm. that it's difficult for students sometimes to to get their stuff looking good enough to go on to on to exactly worry about that yeah and it's that social anxiety it's the putting it out there right right. being a little bit afraid to kind of yeah. You know, put your best foot forward, be comfortable with it. I So I have found that the reverse can be true. Mm-hmm. So I have found that my – so I'm talking about renderings of 3D sure. products that they look better than the real thing. Yeah. Um, and so the expectation is so high. So I can render – I can make a, a piece of jewelry, a ring, say, in mm-hmm. Blender. I render it in a rendering tool, put it on social media, and everyone's like, where can I buy it? It's amazing. And I'm like – 
you can't even make it. I yeah. can't make that. It's impossible to make. It doesn't wow. exist, you know. But people, because they're so photorealistic, people think they're going to be... Uh, they're like, where's the shop now button? Where, where do I get that? <laughs> yeah. And the reality is not that. So I found that uh, in some instances, things looking too good can be a problem. So thing, if wow. things look a bit gritty and a bit real, that's good. So don't worry about putting rough sketches up. Don't worry about things not looking too polished. They don't yeah. need to... Live. In a way, it's better if they don't. You know. Sometimes my, some of my favorite things are when people shoot something and there's pure chaos behind them where it, it's not the picture-perfect Instagram yeah. desk. Yeah. It's a mess. Right, but right. But there's this little jewel yeah, right. of yeah, a yeah. drawing in the middle. Yeah, yeah. You're like, that's, that's, that tells me you're real. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, that, that, that's the whole point of it. That is my studio des- described perfectly. And it's like the, <laughs> my, the, the cutting table has just got rubbish all over it, just bits of stuff and torn paper. But in the middle of it is this little thing you've been slaving exactly. all weekend. And, it's like, <laughs> and sustainability-wise, that's a problem because you've wasted all this material to make this one little thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's often the, the case. It's, it's, it's failing fast is, yeah. like the, is, the, is the way Good. to make stuff, you know. Good. Yeah. This has been great, man. I think we covered everything. I, where can people find out more about you? Plug whatever you'd like. Well, Website, Instagram. Yeah, so my Instagram is Edward underscore Harbour, which okay. is H-A-R-B-E-R. And that's the fashion stuff, which is the jewelry, the handbags, the clothes, the fashion stuff. My industrial design portfolio is uh, edwardharbour.com. Perfect. Yeah. All right. All awesome. Right. Thanks Thank so much, you. Edward. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right. Great interview, Nick. That was Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Can't I'm ready for 60 Minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> nice. So we do have a listener question and audio one coming up. But before that, we got to talk fresh books because everyone needs to get paid and they're the best way to do it. So uh, basically, what you're going to do is you're going to get yourself set up with fresh books and you're going to set up a really nice custom branded invoice that makes you look very professional. You're going to send it out. People are going to think, look how professional he or she is. I'm going to pay them right now. Just based on this. So that's what they can do for you. They, With literally two clicks, you can set yourself up with FreshBooks online payments and end up with money in your pocket with uh, within one day in most cases. 60% mm-hmm. of their invoices are paid within one business day. Um, their notification center is like your personal assistant, which is amazing. You'll always know what's changed in your business since you last logged in and what needs to be dealt with pronto, like overdue invoices. They got multi-currency invoicing. They got your late payment, automated late payment reminders. They've got, um, you know, an app where you can take pictures of receipts on your phone and make claiming your expenses a million times easier. So they've got all the things that you need to run your business and their support. Come on, the support right there is world class. Super friendly, zero attitude. Canadian. A real life person. Uh, (laughs) A real-life Canadian answers your phone. <laughs> if that three... doesn't get you to sign up right now, I don't know what will. <laughs> they're, just, they're, a lo- they're, a lo- they're a lovely country. Yes, they're lovely exactly. people. That's, that's all we can tell you. So <laughs> to claim your 30-day unrestricted free trial, go to freshbooks.com slash deeplygraphic and enter Deeply Graphic Design in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Once again, for the cheap seats in the back, for your 30-day unrestricted free trial, go to freshbooks.com slash deeplygraphic and enter deeply graphic design in the How Did You Hear About Us section. All right. So we have a listener question, audio question from listener Carolyn. Let's take a listen. Hey, Deeply Graphic. Uh, I just listened to your episode on scope creep. Uh, thank you for that. I have an incoming scope creep issue. 
uh, I can feel it. Um, I'm going to try to be brief, but I do need to explain a little bit um, what I can see happening. Um, So I have this really great client. They're a coffee roastery, coffee shop in our city. I fostered a really great relationship with them. We have a really excellent um, client designer relationship. Um, I understand their brand very clearly and they know that I do. Uh, They also really understand uh, my value as a designer and I I never have to really explain myself to them, if you know what I mean. Um, They've been in business for about four years and uh, like most startups, they got their friend to do a logo. Um, So I have had the rebranding conversation with them and everything's kind of set like that I will be their designer when they're ready to do that. Um, Okay, so now my issue. They came to me at the beginning of the summer uh, with some signage issues with the city. I won't bore you, but they had to um, organize themselves to be visually um, accessible outside. So uh, they were looking to do a mural on their wall. Um, So we had, you know, a great little discovery process and I developed a a design. Um, Long story short, I I did a really great job. I nailed it. Uh, It's beautiful and they absolutely love it. So I think you can see where this is going. Uh, I know the rebrand conversation is coming. I want to prepare for them to say, just do what you did with the mural. Um, I know that I need to say to them, in a way, you know, that was your mural, your logo and your packaging and all those things. That design is completely separate. Um, I want to prepare for that conversation now because I want to keep them as a client. They're really great. We have a really good relationship. Um, but I want to prepare for them to say, just do what you did with the mural. Um, and if you can, you know, how do I charge for, kind of a discovery process and a project that has kind of already started in a way, but hasn't gone to logo and packaging. Anyway, I think you can understand my question. Hopefully you can answer it. Uh, Thanks. All right, Carolyn. So thank you for that. We love the audio ones, first of all. Fantastic. Always great because we can really hear what the issue is. And we get what you're saying with scope creep and this idea that maybe work that you did for someone could be repositioned or repurposed for something else. Um, my first instinct would be, again, too, to always kind of don't, it sounds like you might've wanted to have that conversation with the rebrand with them maybe a little bit sooner. So it was a little bit more clear that that was something that had to be done. And then you can say like, I've had this thing where clients are reluctant to do a rebrand. So I tell them, well, let's do this mural. Let's do this one project. It'll have elements of it, but for sure, when we do get to the rebrand, you've got to do the full discovery and the and the thing and show them a document of your process so they understand the value of that. That way, maybe they they will love the mural. Kudos to you doing a great job on that. It sounds like they really loved it. Yeah. And, it, and it's sparking maybe this conversation more. But again, when you show them, maybe you might have a case study of a rebrand you've already done. And if you don't have one, you can find a great one online. I re- really highly recommend going to like brand new under consideration and look at a rebrand of maybe an, uh, of a coffee place or whatever, oh, show like them the value you're going to bring in this. And then there should be no question that like, it's a totally different project and it, there's going to be a pain. There's going to be a fee for that. You know what I mean? And give them all, right. all those details. 
that's what I would like. Again, it's maybe because you, you at front you didn't kind of clarify the difference, and now it's your turn to do that. So just make sure that it sounds like you didn't redesign the logo. You only did a mural. So like, if it's a new rebrand, talk about that. Like, show them the like how much value came out of this mural. Let's reinvigorate the branding as well. Now, what do you think? Yeah. Or you guys, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I like that. You know? It's almost like, in a way, pitching your the, the value you can bring all over again, even though you've got all this history. I mean, she explained yeah. that she's no, she knows this brand well. Mm-hmm. She does a kick-ass job. I mean, she was very honest about that relationship, um, the longevity of it, and that she, you know, she, she's not kidding around when she says that she knows that brand inside and out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've, we've had accounts like that. Like mm-hmm. it's just becomes part, part of your marriage. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I just think like at the end of the day, a lo- a rebrand is a different goal than a mural painting. Of course. But a right? client sometimes doesn't, if they're not the, like it sounds like they went to somebody that they knew to do their original logo. So Maybe they're not, Yeah, they don't know the terminology and the process as well. No. And that's so where use we, all that's of where your we con- come in. Consultant right? terms. Yeah. <laughs> your, yeah. And know, it sounds like she, show. yeah. And it sounds like, you know, you know that better than anyone too. And if, if anything, and I, I'm not a fan of like giving art or design away for free. We all, we all agree on that. But mm-hmm. if you're very close with these people, maybe just show them your questionnaire or something that. Uh, is going to oh, yeah. give them a taste of what what this next process is and why it, it you don't have that just yet. You don't know who the brand's voice is and who's the brand's archetype's going to be and all that the personas of the consumer. Um, yeah, show them that and that might help differentiate the the thing there. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. I get it now. It's not mm-hmm. just taking this mural and and putting it on our website. That's not branding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if we're if we're just talking, if we're talking about a logo, because the, the word branding is kind of one of those weird words that people sometimes think means logo. It is. I don't, yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. if we're just talking about a logo here versus a mural, a logo has to, like, in one tiny little package, say everything the mural is saying, basically. But a mural is basically, it's art. a piece of artwork, right? Expression. It's, it's, it's ambiance. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. expression where you can have all these tiny little things going on in a mural. But how do you, you can't translate that into a logo? I mean, it would be a, no. it would be a, no, really complicated logo at that point. Yeah, so you gotta, take the opportunity to educate this. Yeah, and just play back this little section of the podcast. How about that? <laughs> yeah, sit them down. You yeah, don't have to do it. yeah. <laughs> so here, I've got something you need to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Can we'll you say, imagine? Hey. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think the thing I like. So I did something the other day that I thought was really cool. I'm starting to do the the live presentations with discovery decks uh, via sharing my screen rather than oh, cool. just sending it to them and saying, let's talk about it. Cause I cool. love this idea of you get to turn the page and do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it turned out to be like, con- it was in the driver's seat for it was presenting. Like 20 pages and I had them hook, line and sinker. There was not anything cause they didn't jump ahead and then see just the ending. I got to take them through everything. So, so maybe that's the whole point with what you're trying to do too is if you can show them a little bit about what you will do for them, I think that might help them un- identify the difference here, you know, of what you're, what you want to do and what they need. Yeah. You know, well said. Cool. 
All right, cool. Hopefully that was helpful for you, Carolyn. And uh, keep sending in those listener questions to questions at thedeependdesign.com and the audio ones we love. And you can also do it on Twitter using hashtag DGDC. All right. Uh, anything else to add, you guys, before we wrap off this first episode of the new year? Yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. Yes. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> this is the first time I had Crazy. to say that all year long. <laughs> just comes earlier and earlier every year, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. <laughs> all right. With that in mind, keep designing and catch us next time on the Deeply Graphic Design Cast.